Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Two great stories today from Mark's Gospel, two miracle healings of Jesus back-to-back found in chapter 7, beginning in verse 24. From there, Jesus set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know that he was there, yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit, immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now, the woman was a Gentile, a Seraphonician origin. She begged him to cast out the demon from her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For saying that you may go, the demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon towards the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to lay his hands on him. He took him aside in private, away from the crowd, and put his fingers into his ears. And he spat and touched his tongue Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered them to tell no one. But the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Several years ago, I was on vacation and just had entered into that happy, relaxed place. I'd spent the morning on the beach, had my sunglasses and my Grisham novel in one hand and my lounge chair. About lunchtime, I came up to the house where we were staying, pulled the chain on that outside shower thing, and knocked off enough of the sand to go in, wrapped a dry towel around me to go in to fix some lunch. Leftover bacon from breakfast, tomato in season, Duke's mayonnaise, and fresh bread. And life was so good. So I'm wrapped up, had my BLT in one hand, I had my Grisham novel in the other, and then I thought, I might ought to just go check my cell phone. 
before I start lunch. And I went to the bedroom. There's missed call after missed call. Vicky from the office, text messages, voicemails, somebody I needed to call right then, that afternoon, urgent. Now, sometimes we try to get away. It just doesn't always work out. Which means you and I might be sympathetic to Jesus in this story who needed to get away from the onslaught of demands that just kept coming and kept coming. Jesus is divine, but Jesus has a nervous system. Jesus needs retreat, time away. And so he's gone away into the Gentile region of Tyre, kind of with his head down a little bit. He doesn't want anybody to know he's there. But he's Jesus. And the miracle workers in town and word does get out, of course. So before he can even kick off his sandals and begin a little downtime, there stands right in front of him a determined, fixed Gentile mother on a mission. She tells him that her daughter is being tormented by a demon and she begs him to perform just one of his miracles on her. Just one, just this one time, I'll leave you alone, I'll be on my way. But Jesus, as you know, is a Jewish rabbi. He's on a Jewish mission. And unsettling as it is, and it is unsettling. Jesus uses a a dinnertime image, a kind of familiar dinnertime image, as a way of saying that his focus, his primary mission, is inside the Jewish community. Let the children be fed first. For it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it under the table for the little dogs. This mother doesn't go away. Feet planted. This Gentile Gentile woman doesn't assume that the Gentiles ought to have priority. She doesn't appeal that his mission should include her and others. But she is a mother. This is a mother with a hurting child. If you've ever had a child in pain, you know what this is like. Is there any wall you wouldn't knock down? Is there any more determined force on the planet than a mother on a mission for a hurting child so she doesn't whimper away? Instead, she stands toe-to-toe and says to Jesus, Sir, even the little dogs get to eat the crumbs that fall from the table. And in the face of her determination, Jesus says, for saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. And the mother goes home and finds the little girl playing and smiling and well. With one notable exception, the the time Jesus meets the man in the tombs, This is the first time Jesus interacts with somebody who's not Jewish, which is a good day for you and me, that Jesus has now extended his ministry, drum roll please, to a Gentile woman in a pagan city. The game has officially changed.
Well, who knows how long Jesus got to stay in the borrowed bedroom. Hopefully, he gets some retreat, but then he takes off toward the Sea of Galilee to another unclean area in the region of the Ten Cities. And here we go again. He's among the Gentiles again. And you know that in his tradition, contact with the Gentiles makes him unclean. And here comes a group of guys holding the elbow of a deaf man whom they introduce to Jesus. Now, the man can't hear thunder, so he can't hear how people form their words either, which means that his attempts at speech are impaired too. And when he talks, he screeches. It's almost too painful to hear. And the friends beg Jesus on behalf of this man, lay your hands on him and heal him. And Jesus touches the man, puts his fingers in his ear. And then he spits on his finger and he puts it on the man's tongue. Keep in mind, we're not during a pandemic at this point. And then looking up to heaven, he sighs and says, be opened. And at that moment, ears open, plain speech, astonished crowd. He makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. So here we have two healings. Back to back in Mark's gospel, both Gentiles, both in unlikely regions for the king of the Jews, One's healed of a demon, likely an ailment of the spirit. The other is healed of deafness, a physical limitation. One male, one female. One touched, the other's not touched. Neither is named. But here's the little detail that kind of winked up at me this week. Both of these people are healed because somebody else cared enough to be part of their healing. The little girl didn't chase down Jesus. Her mother showed up at that house. The the deaf man didn't pull on Jesus' robe and point to his ears. It was a group of friends who intervened on his behalf. Now, I don't want to veer too far from Mark's purpose here. Mark is clearly trying to establish that the power of Jesus' power to transform and to heal. And as a part of this story, as Mark tells it, Jesus looks up into heaven. Mark's warning us to not miss that God is the source of this transformative power of Jesus. These stories are about Jesus and about God's power flowing through him. Nobody else in the story even gets a name. But still, I think it's worth noting the role of the mother and the friends. The little girl and the deaf man both had caring advocates who risked something to be part of somebody else's healing. And usually it is risky. Usually to 
move yourself into somebody else's story and somebody else's healing comes with some risk. Intervening in somebody else's life might not even be welcome. (laughs) When Melissa and I were dating, we went to a petting zoo at Stone Mountain one time. We did the little area with the sheep and the rabbits and as I recall, a goat chewed on her straw pocketbook. But then there was, a, there was another area, it was kind of a split rail fence, and just beyond the split rail fence were the larger animals, llamas and alpacas and ponies and such. So you weren't supposed to go across the fence, you'd go up to the fence, and when they came, you'd pet them as they came by. Well, a little girl, about three years old, had slipped somehow beyond her mother, and in her childish delight, she's just blissful as she can be, she goes through the split rail fence to go pet one of the ponies. As I said, she was blissful, but I thought she might be in some danger, and I'm eager to impress Melissa. We hadn't been dating that long, so I wanted to show my heroism So I ran in with no regard for my personal safety to snatch this young child out of danger. Well, I mentioned that the child was blissful and that was true until she saw a man running after her. (laughs) That's when she screamed. And when she screamed, about the time I snatched her up, It was that scream that then got her mother's attention, and her mother looked up, and all her mother saw of this story was a man she did not know snatch up her daughter and take off. Eventually, you'll be glad to know uh, that with Melissa as a character witness, we were able to calm this woman down of all of her abduction fears, and it it, it turned out okay. It was ugly for a while. My my point is that even our best attempts at intervening with care come at some risk. It's not always welcome. Some skeptics believe or say that they would believe in God if only they got to witness a miracle like a healing But I see healings all the time. And guess what? They almost always include the involvement of some caring soul who risked something to put themselves out for somebody else's healing. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, a group of haggard caregivers come here to Second Pots and drop off a loved one. The ones they are dropping off have Alzheimer's, and, and they're enrolled in the program here that's sponsored by seven congregations up and down the Peachtree Corridor. For several hours on Tuesdays and Thursdays, volunteers take over the role of caregiver. And then that allows the, the primary caregiver to go run errands or get some rest. What's happening is somebody's intervened so healing can take place in that family. 
a family sat down with their mother. It was tear-filled and risky. With the minister present, they told her that her drinking problem was killing the family. They told specific stories of neglect and danger and worry, and they insisted that she go inpatient to get help with her destructive disease. And somebody risked, intervened, so healing could take place. The the hospital where my daughter works, as you might imagine right now, is overrun with COVID patients. It's completely full, all ICU beds. They have some patients out in the hall. And during At one point during COVID, the hospital ran out of oxygen. They ran out of oxygen. Well, until the problem could be fixed, the only thing they could do to keep people on their oxygen was to bag them temporarily. You know, the the little hand move bagging kind of thing, hand pumped. There are not enough nurses and doctors anyway. There are surely not enough nurses and doctors to have them all pumping, giving somebody oxygen, right? So my, daughters and, uh, my daughter and others went up and down the hospital corridors recruiting orderlies and food personnel, anybody they could find, took them into rooms and taught them how to bag a patient in need of oxygen. I'm not, I'm not even sure that's legal. But somebody intervened so healing could take place. Somebody in this room called me recently for lunch. We had a blessing. We unwrapped our tacos. He said to me, this is an odd role for me. I've never been older than my pastor. He said, and the reversal of this conversation is uncomfortable to me. But how are you doing? Are you okay? Somebody intervened so healing could take place. She didn't know what to say to her friend. Her friend had just filed for divorce. 42 years old, three children under 10. She didn't know any of the details. She didn't even know whose fault it was, if it's anybody's fault, who knows. The easy thing to do, though, is to just ignore it, just go silent. Besides, you could say something wrong, you could... And it's her marriage, after all. It's not any of my business. But then she risked, and she called, and she said... Can I just come over one morning next week for coffee? I don't know what's going on, but I I just figured you could use a friend right now. And somebody intervened so healing could take place. When Jesus put his fingers in the deaf man's ears, when when he put his finger on his tongue... When the healing happened, the scripture says 
that Jesus looked up to heaven and sighed and then said to the man, be opened. Healing happens by the power of God. We know that. But as we saw in today's story, in most cases, God's healing gets brokered by the compassion of unnamed people who risk getting involved. God's healing is still taking place. It's taking place all over. And it usually involves somebody being vulnerable enough to enter the messy and emotional places where healings take place. May we be the church, partners with God in God's healing, loving, redemptive mission in the world. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church.